Okay, and here we are. Right. We are live. Hi, I'm Will. the Bookstabber. Hi, Willow. Hello, Gene. How are you? This is the thing where we, we haven't actually been introducing ourselves for several episodes now, so we should say, hey, everyone, welcome to Bookstabber. I'm Willow Payne. And I'm Gene Ambo. And together we make Library Comic and this podcast. Yes, and, and uh, Willow is secretly working on other things. It's, it's amazing. And we've also got other side projects that may never see the light of day. We'll see. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> this that? is all true. How's that for a... Uh, a weird intro. Let's keep talking about all the things that people may never see. That's right. And today we are talking about a book that recently won the World Fantasy Award. Uh, I picked it for that reason. I had never heard of it. Uh, it is called Trouble the Saints by Alea Don Johnson. And before we get into this book, we are going to, I need to tell you, spoil this book entirely for you. If you have not read it and you have any inkling to read it, uh, go read it now. Or if you want to read it after you hear my fabulous book talk for it in a moment, Go read it then. Stop stop the, the recording. Go read it and then come back and listen to us talk about it later. Uh, let's see. So you said I had to do the book talk for this one. Is that correct? Yes, you do have to. Okay. It's contractually obligated. Okay. I'm going to do my best, but there is a limitation here that I will talk about at the end of my book talk. So, so Trouble the Saints is historical fantasy set right around the beginning of the time the U.S. enters World War II. And it's set mostly in new york uh it's told in three parts and part one takes place in harlem around a nightclub called the pelican is that right is it harlem uh yeah i believe that's correct a nightclub owned by a kind of evil russian mobster dude uh named victor who has silver teeth and really looks the part uh run by him and his right hand man uh this guy named red man whose real name is walter who's who's kind of the heavy and uh, his enforcer, his angel, his avenging angel, his kind of angel of justice is Phyllis LeBlanc. Uh, Phyllis goes by the nickname P. Uh, Phyllis has what are called saint's hands. Uh, she has hands that have a special talent. And you don't know much about this uh, at the beginning, but there are several people with saint's hands in the book. Uh, and Phyllis's, Phyllis's uh, talent is basically throwing knives. She can throw other things too, but she really throws knives very well. And she uses those knives to kill kind of on Victor's behalf, but she thinks she's working for the greater good. And then she finds out she's not, and she's pretty pissed off. And uh, she has to do something about Victor. And and that's, that's part one. It is kind of full of beautiful violence. And it's set in this era of of uh, racism. Um, racism is definitely at its center. Like, like Phyllis is... Uh, black but passing for white. Uh, Phyllis's ex-boyfriend Dev, who will soon become her new her boyfriend again, the kind of love of her life, uh, is is Indian. Uh, Phyllis's best friend Tamara, who dances in the club, the CD club. She dances with a snake on stage. Uh, she's very clearly black. And uh, Red Man, you you can pretty much guess from the name. Um, like like there's a lot of a lot of racism swelling around. And I will say that the people who have the saints' hands none of them are white. And so you don't find out what happened, what, what, what the St. Hands come from until later. Uh, and yeah, so that's kind of it. And you think from that book talk that this book would be just this ballet of violence as, as, as Phyllis has to, has to wreak violence on people and survive in this world of violence. And you'd be correct, but that's only part of the first part of the book. And then the second part is something else entirely. And the third part is something else entirely after that with different narrators and a very different feel. Uh, and, and because the second and third parts are the majority of the book, 
they are there's more a little more violence, but not, it's not the same type. It's not quite the action movie that that the book talk of the first part would lead you to believe. So that that is that is the problematic part of this. But but some people were strong like 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 respond very very um, strongly to the characters, find them very compelling, find the way this is written very compelling. Uh, it is written, I would say, poetically, uh, but that's a double-edged sword because poetry is comprehensible or not, depending on how into the poetry you are and how carefully you can read. So so uh, you may find this book to be incredible or you may find it to be not so incredible. Willow, do you, do you think that's a fair book talk? Uh, yes, more than I was expecting, honestly. Well, well because it, it, it doesn't have a good pitch. It doesn't have a good... Because it's so many things, right? It really does not have a good pitch. This book, I think, frustrated me more than i i had a literally harder time finishing this book than any book we have read before and that is saying something with the books <laughs> that we have we, that we have read before i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this willow just to make you happy i did too yeah no this is a this is a weird weird book i don't like it i'm not happy with it i didn't have a good time i would not read this if you had not assigned it to me i i, I will say though i will say it's one of those books i, I had no expectations coming in i had no idea what this book was about and and but i think it makes a promise in the first part that it doesn't then fulfill in the rest of the book quite it, 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 it's very strange um but that that's my reading of it it's clear other people have different readings of it they were expecting something that they got from the book in reading some reviews here and there online um i don't even know all, all of the reviews that i checked out said a very similar story which was the every single one that i read said i didn't really like this book but it is very important that it exists I which think, like I, think, I i think that's true i, I think that's i think that's it, it, it's true in that i've never seen a book like this i've never seen a book that that does something like this that explores kind of the racism and how how um society tries to co-opt even the things i mean i mean i mean it's important to say the saints hands are kind of this weird product of oppression and the ghosts of of past uh sins committed against groups of people right and yeah the end the end of the book spells that out very clearly it it, it, it does in a way because and that's because uh tammy has oracular powers with these cards and she's and she's able to see ghosts and and um i don't even know how to i don't even know how to i don't even know in a straightforward manner how to jump into this book except to say that that it lost me in the second part um so in the first part i think we should talk about it maybe chronologically a little bit and and kind of i'm curious where it lost you did it lose you immediately yeah abs from the from the very beginning so for me this book is and and the first part is the first part is is uh phyllis is the narrator p is the is the point of the character i i mean i'm gonna disagree with you on the idea that like to me the three parts of this book really aren't different to me okay i i can see why you would say that but that's because you're a sucker <laughs> and i mean that I'm, no you take you take these things at face value you because you know you say that first part is a beautiful ballet of violence but that's not really true either no like, it's not Phyllis really true gets, either no no I, I agree it's not true phyllis gets shot and one guy gets murdered over the course of this whole book like one guy dies that's the action and they never get over it they talk about it like it'll it's the end of the goddamn world no 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 more than that dies because because there, there's a massacre in part two that, that you're forgetting because it's forgettable because and i think it's because, it is very forgettable well no no I, I i i think it's because in some ways this book is so is written so indirectly at different moments that you cannot figure out what has happened in a practical yeah. sense it, it doesn't it doesn't I hate to say it doesn't spell it out for you, but it doesn't make it plain. The way the way the author uses language sometimes 
is too poetic. I found myself going back to figure out what happened, including right at the right. very last page of the book. I do not know how this book ends. It, right. it is this, very okay. strange. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, no, this is my whole thing, is that this is the thing that makes this book so frustrating. So, like, it's it's a noir book. It, it wants to be Sam it Spade. It wants to be Raymond Chandler. Like Sometimes. And I'm... And I'm here for that. No, all the time. It's never not that. It's always that style of writing of, uh, you know, she walked into my office, her legs went all the way down to the floor. You know, it is that for the entire. <laughs> no, it it is that it is that for the entire book. It never stops being that. And it's so frustrating because one, it's repetitive as hell. It is so repetitive. The number of times that we refer to the to Phyllis as as Victor's angel, as the angel of justice. And this is her own interior monologue. These are her thoughts. Yeah, she but, thinks this to herself 20 times a day. But I'm going to say no all, one... all books are repetitive <laughs> in this way. I mean, I mean, when we read uh, The Buried Giant, for example, like like they're always thinking about how much they're forgetting, right? It, 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 every every book is like this. No, but that's, well, that, that's the problem, though, is that every book we read for this podcast is repetitive this way. <laughs> that's not true. No, I mean this. This is not true of all books. The books that I like on my shelf right here are not like that. I'm not, I don't want to blame you, but somehow all of the books that we find for this podcast are repetitive in that way. But that's not true of all books. It's true of a, think, I think, a modern school of writing. Yeah, okay, if we were fair enough. If we were reading F. Scott Fitzgerald, I don't think that would be true. I don't know why that's the first one I came to. But... <laughs> I can't argue with that, never but, having read a book by the man. But... If if we read uh, Catcher in the Rye, that wouldn't be a problem. Well, I think the Catcher... No, I think, I think Catcher in the Rye is incredibly repetitive because he's always in his head. He's always in his head. Well, he's always okay. thinking about stuff. I, I think... But actually, here's... No, but this is what I think is funny is that... I think this author, if she was actually emulating the noir stories that this is emulating, it would not be nearly that repetitive. Those stories aren't very long. I, I think I think this isn't noir in the sense that I, I always think noir is funny. No, noir always makes me giggle, and there's nothing funny about this book at all. Well, that's because it's not very well written. There are there are jokes in this book; they just aren't funny. How do you how do you identify a joke if it's not funny? You think some you think you, you think you think you can see somebody trying to make a joke? It's the, yeah, it's the grammar of it. I mean, there's a, the scene comes to mind where uh, uh, Dev makes pancakes. Like that's, that's a, (laughs) meant to be like a comedic, no, it's really, there's a scene in this book, like halfway through where Dev makes pancakes for Phyllis and they have a conversation about like, oh, you could, you could cook for me all the time. He'd be like, yes, but you would miss the bacon because he's a, he's a vegetarian or whatever. And then like, and, and he's, because it's from his point of view, he's describing the way that she eats pancakes with her hands without a fork and knife and how they hate each other. And like, this is clearly the author is amused by this. But I remember thinking like, oh my God, can anything in this book happen? I don't want to read about the characters eating pancakes. Well, I mean, I this mean, is I, not good fiction. I, but, but I will say, I will say the first part, like, like there's some promise, like, like P is, she hasn't killed anybody for seven months. Uh, Victor sends Redman to her. She's supposed to kill the girlfriend of a of a guy she killed before, and she thought this guy what was his name? I can't even remember the the, she, the guy she killed the guy she killed like years ago. She killed him because she, she killed him because she thought he was killing people like her, people with saints' hands and taking the hands. Somebody has been killing people like her and Dev. Dev also has the saints' hands. Dev is the bartender at the Pelican, so she was kind of getting some justice for for people like her. Um, but then, in very short order, she finds out. That I mean, she she may not want to kill anymore. She's kind of bathed in blood. She's killed. I don't remember how many tens of people. It's weighing heavily on her. Uh, she finds out that that guy didn't 
actually kill people. Somebody, it's been somebody else. Like Victor's been lying to her to get her to kill people. She sees herself as his avenging angel, as some kind of agent of justice, but she's not. She's just merely kind of a hitman for this guy with her knives. Um, and then we find out Deb, who still loves her, even though he's dating her best friend Tamara, is also an informant for the cops. And everybody's very freaked out by Victor and and Redman, aka Walter. And okay. Like, like, then she finds out who needs the saint's hands, and Redman basically, I think it's Redman, goes, oh, it's Victor, of course. And like, okay, well, that's not much of a mystery. Mystery solved. <laughs> and and then she she tries to kill him in this very Batman move, hanging upside down on a what I assume is a fire escape uh, as he goes into a bathroom, and she throws a knife at him, and somehow he No, does- she doesn't. She doesn't throw a knife at him. That's the whole thing, is she chokes on it and then leaves, but he knows that somebody tried to kill her. How does he know? Because he, Is it because he has the hands that he's stolen from the corpses of people that he's killed, and and he, he can use them somehow? Something like that? No, my memory of it is that she just did a very bad job. She just was really sloppy. So she tries to kill Victor, and she literally just chokes on it and just decides not to, but in the process, she... She drops her knife and she falls in this alley. Well, it's one of those things where he, he doesn't know it's her, though, somehow. Somehow he looks out of the bathroom window and realizes somebody's trying to kill her, but doesn't know it's, it's her. It's very strange. Well, but he does. Well, he finds the knife later. Right. And then and then they're all in his office and you think he's going to kill her or she's going to kill him. And then Dev kills Victor in this moment that's supposed to be devastating, but I didn't really care about. And he, well, she does. In that moment, she does try to kill Victor. She has a... Uh, a cocktail glass uh, or a uh what's the little i don't i don't drink i don't know alcohol um you know the the little stubby glasses like a, a tumbler yeah she's got a tumbler and she's gonna use it to kill him and dev comes in uh body blocks her like a linebacker and kills victor for her knife to the head which so yeah let's let's talk about this for a second so we are presented to this woman, who is basically our main character. She's an assassin. She's a hatchet man. This is they use these terms, and right. it's all about you know she's a femme fatale. Clearly, she's very you know she's described as being incredibly attractive. All these men are attracted to her. She wears slinky dresses. She has knives on her all the time. She's referred to as a knife. She's constantly haunted by murder, and everything she describes is blood red and right, 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 right. She. She thinks about death and killing all the time. In the course of this book, she doesn't kill any single person. It, from the beginning, this the moment this book starts to when it ends, she doesn't kill anyone. Now there are a billion flashbacks, so right, right. I mean, ma- I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm being confused on that regard, but we're never actively shown her doing the job of assassinating. She does try to kill her boss. Right. In a move that, like, it's it's not, it does, even the first part of this book, which is the part that makes the most sense, makes no sense. Well, well, I, 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 I think I think the weirdness is, is that, like, also, she's very clearly traumatized by all the killings she's done, right? I mean, that's why we see in flashbacks is her just, the, the trauma of it. And then it's like the hands are angry with her for not, yeah. for not, for not killing Victor. Well, it's not really clear to me why the hands are angry with her. I mean, the hands start to rebel. They have like kind of a mind of their own, which is like apparently they're the ghosts' minds. I don't know, but the but the but the ghost of Victor is also haunting her because she's cursed from that moment on. I don't know why she's cursed. She didn't kill him. It's very strange. Yeah, it exactly. It doesn't make any sense. No, by the by the end of the book, we we are told that the hands like we we know they have a mind of their own for other reasons, but we know by the end that like. Oh yeah, we we exist to kill 
the colonizing forces of the world, the, you know, basically white people. Well, to, to give a little hope to the, the people who have been, who suffered, right? To give, to give a little hope but to then, their side. But, but they're also being used by the, by the white people and, and they're being right. killed by the white people and stolen. And it's like, I mean, I mean, that, that's an interesting commentary. Like, I, I can see where that's going. I, I think that's one of the interesting things about this book. About, about the way it exists and about the time it exists in. But it doesn't, it doesn't work in the context of the story for me. No, it doesn't for me either. It, well, it just fundamentally doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, this is one of, at its core, even though this is won some literary prize and, you know, is getting attention for being a book, at its core, this is having the same basic fantasy problem that comic books for children have, that cartoons for children have, which is like, we, it, it, this is a problem that I call, we have to have something cooler than just a gun. Because there's really no reason in the larger world that the main character couldn't just shoot people with a gun. She could. In fact, it would probably be better for her if she did. Well, but but, but, but I think there's this context of magic. I mean, like, like the way it's used the most is with the oracular cards that uh, Tamara has. Right? But why doesn't she shoot? Why doesn't she shoot a gun with magic? Her whole point is that her hands are very good at killing people. Why don't they use a gun? I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I just don't know. And, and we should say Dev's uh, special talent is he can tell if someone is going to harm someone else. I don't really understand why the power is localized in the hands. I think it's very strange. I don't think that's a cool image. I don't like there's there's a lot going on. Well, here. I think I think it's localized in the hands because it's it's cool that we're not cool, but it's like it's like then they can be stolen. Right. That there's the idea the power can be stolen. And, and it's, it's always, it's always, it's always like a touching thing. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, so then the second part is Dev and, and he and P are in the country. He's tried to take her away from, from, he's, he's kind of protecting her from the cops. He's protected her from Victor. He's tried to save her the trauma, but she's still traumatized. So it hasn't really worked out. I can't really tell you what happens in part two of this book, except for, I know that like P gets pregnant. Uh, there's a guy, there's a young man, Alvin, who nobody likes because his hands if he touches you he knows your worst secret so there's some there's some murder some violence there's a little bit more gunfire and but most importantly i think p is mad at dev because he knew that she was killing people like victor was making her kill people or having her kill people that weren't actually bad which is what she she thought and so she's a little pissed at him there's some kind of explosion something involving the mayor's son i i really struggled with this part i I was kind of i was kind of doing that mechanical thing of reading my eyes were going over the page and i couldn't tell you what happened for pages sometimes I, yeah, it was very mysterious to me. Very mysterious. My understand. My understanding is that the is that the larger background conflict, which is kind of an oxymoron, but it if you've seen the movie Chinatown, uh-huh. it's basically Chinatown that there is a there is a scandal within government where the guy running for mayor, I believe it's his son, is is assaulting and impregnating black women and they can't do anything against him because he's white is it mayor of new york city or is it mayor of the whatever small town they're hiding in no it's it's new york that's probably why they go into hiding i don't that see it doesn't actually make th- but, this but, is a but, great example i have no idea but they're at a farm somewhere out in the middle of nowhere and like, like oh the, the other important thing is like dev gets uh, a letter to go into the army i think pearl harbor has happened somewhere between parts one and two yeah, he uh, gets drafted, and well, and he wants to use he, he he's trying to call on a favor from Red Man to get undrafted because cr- criminals have power. Sure, well, not just from Red Man, but for, he goes back to the cops and tries to get them to help him too. And it, it's more he wants to keep P safe now that 
he knows she's pregnant and yeah his entire relation his entire relationship to the cops is so confusing because he he was an informant he was a detective who was undercover working at the club trying to understand the criminal syndicate going on here but he's also he's also very clearly shat upon because they won't even meet him at the police station they meet him at like a cafe right Right. Well, I can understand the this being a commentary on racism. Th- that I can understand. But at the same time, it's like, well, how did this guy make detective if no one will even treat like that doesn't make sense to me that it's like it seems unlikely that this guy would be would be able to make detective in New York City if they literally won't talk to him or treat him with any kind of dignity like that just doesn't make sense well, on and, a fundamental level. And, and the cops know that he was protecting P. They know she's the killer but they can't prove it because he's been like kind of hiding evidence and suppressing evidence and like wiping down murder weapons and whatnot it's it's very weird it's very weird well it also doesn't make sense because the the whole thing is they're like all right we we're trying to take down this criminal empire like i mean that's presumably why he's there yeah but they don't they also don't seem to care at all like they don't care uh, that that victor dies they don't care the dev killed like they don't well, it and, it and then feels like they just give up on it, right? Because Walter just continues the criminal empire on his own, right, well, uh, Red Man. Well, and whatever kind of plot goes forward, there's like a bombing, I think, at a church. I, I, I can't even remember at the end. And then to make it all right, Dev and a bunch of people agree to go into the army. <laughs> like, like so he's, right. he's gone in part three. I was just like, I don't even understand why this was here. Like, we could have just and, well, removed him at the end of part one and gone right on to part three. Would have been fine. I'm pretty sure the bombing has something to do with the weird mayor conflict plot that like that's the thing is that the characters seem to care about it for uh, about half a second and then you know and then they don't like their lives are put in some danger because the you know the cops are like hey you can't talk to people i don't know yeah it's and and well and and then it jumps forward to part three and it's tamara np dev's gone they go to upstate new york i think somewhere at least somewhere out of the city to uh, a big house phyllis Mm-hmm. Where there's Phyllis a, and Tamara are taking care of an old white lady. No, no, no they treats them. They're taking care of by uh, an old white lady. Of a what? They're taking care of by an old white lady. The, the old white lady is like their maid and cook, I think. Or at least I, th- I don't think that. I think it's the other way around. I think they no. are. I think they're hiding out, and they're being maids for her. No, no, no. Because she comes, she comes at four o'clock every day, right on the dot, and she cooks for them, leaves food, and. And she's she's helping them. They they never help her. She's helping them, and she's she's resentful because she's an old white lady, and they're very clearly black from context, right? And then there's a couple of more like I would say the more pronounced bits of racism are here because they're kind of chased out of a gas station uh, by a truck that hits some deer and jackknives, and this is where it's very clear that that Phyllis is being haunted by the ghost of Victor because Tamara keeps seeing Victor's ghost, and not just the ghost of Victor, but she sees the ghost of this kid who was lynched back in virginia when she was a kid and 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 then the baby that's growing inside of p as she gets more and more pregnant is also having dreams and is passing those on to p who is freaked out because dev is overseas and it's worth saying that tamara the love of tamara's life who she's very like back and forth with different men but her love of her life seems to be this guy what's his name clyde is that his name yeah his name is clyde 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 is overseas as well he's he's a soldier when he reconnects with p in the bar where she's dancing and um Anyway, like, like Tamara at least has a clear choice. Tamara, Tamara has this choice of like, she has to take the curse from P, whatever's going on, or let her die. That's what the cards keep telling her. But they tell it to her over and over and over again and over again. <laughs> yes, this is right. This drives me insane. That, that last part of the book is so cut and dry in that it's like, okay, 
There's a magic curse, only I can see it, because I am magic in the way that the other characters are not magic, even though they are also magic, right. which is frustrating. Uh, I can see th- I could see that there is a problem, although it's so vague as to what it is, but Phyllis and her baby are going to be in incredible danger. They'll probably die badly. Well, at least, at least, at least, I, at least Phyllis, I do Phyllis something P will die, right? But, but it's, like, it's like then there's all these letters that come in the mail from the soldiers overseas, and they just sit around this house and... Uh, yeah, I, I was like, this could be a very short, short story to me. At least from what, at least what I'm taking away from it. Um, this entire, this entire book could have been one very tight novella. Yeah. That and instead, how many pages is this book? I uh, you know. Uh, well, well, and, and, my... and, and like, what, what's weird is like, like Red Man kind of comes back into it in the third part. I, I kind of like Red Man because we see him in bits that actually reveal his character. He's this thug, but he actually has a family. He invites Tamara to his family's house for no reason. Other than, oh, this guy is like also a character worth considering for things. Um, like, someone is betraying uh, Redman's and Victor's ex-operation to the police. And it turns out, oh, by the way, it's P. I don't know why. It's never really explained. Is she just hating herself? I don't know. Uh, it's very clear that everybody who has power doesn't really have much power at all. Tomorrow's power is clearly not the hands. It's clearly some kind of, uh, I can see the future with these cards. These magic cards have been handed down in my family. And we get all these very detailed bits about card readings that we can't make any sense of. And she's struggling to make sense of. And like the specifics of the card readings. Like, uh, it felt like a whole system was invented for that. A system, kind of system of magic that I never clued into. That I never yeah, quite got. I, uh, I, I, I want to be very clear. I basically don't like this book for the same reason I don't like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Is that it just seems really dumb. Every part of it seems very dumb. It, at no point uh, did I ever think, okay, yeah, this is a cool thing that's happening. This is a cool idea. Like, no, it's just not entertaining. Like, if you want to, if we want to talk about the larger, you know, what what is the story actually about? What does it mean? What is the the racial relations in that? I think that can be you know that can be a conversation, but it's trapped in this just not great book about people with magic hands. I uh, I, I I was like, who do I who do I sympathize with the most? Like like who do I identify with? Like which character was was the character I liked the best? And I think it was Tamara for me because she's at least looking forward a little bit. Like after the war's over, she wants to go to Paris, wants to get away from. The U.S., all the racism here, wants to dance there, wants to have a new life. She's trying to figure out how to make the right decision. She's trying to figure out... I mean, she's as puzzled as I am in trying to figure out what is going on. <laughs> so maybe that's why I identified with her, right? In the third part. I mean, she, she's... But 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 the choice before her is so obvious, and she struggles with it for, I think, too long. Um, but, but maybe it's a realistic amount of time. I don't know. Uh, I, I, did, I did like her the best. You know, she's in love. She's waiting for the guy to come home hoping he makes it back. Uh, but but I should have been much more... Uh, I should have identified more with Dev because Dev wants to protect his family, wants to protect the woman he loves, wants to protect his unborn child. But I just... I, that part left me cold in a, in a way that I can't really describe. And I think part of it is that that was where the language of the book really separated from what was going on. And I just couldn't tell what was happening. I, I, I could not... I could not read this book and know what I was supposed to take away from any part of it. It's like it's like if it was uh, a movie, I just didn't know what to focus on at any given time. With yeah, with Dev, you know, I think he's a fine character for what he is. Although the his relationship with the police doesn't make sense. But the thing I really hated about his narration was this psychosexual aspect where he's in love with Phyllis, but also is obsessed with her being a killer in a weirdly positive way. 
and there's this there's a line that just makes me cringe which is not a word i use a lot uh where it's (laughs) how do i even describe it where he's describing because he's indian he's describing the the goddess uh uh, kali who has a uh, a belt of severed hands in you know in hindu yes in hindu myth and and he's like oh yeah when I I read I imagined that belt of hands wrapped around my erection when Phyllis would touch, and I was like, Ugh, oh wow, why are we... I, I don't remember that. And it's and it's like I'm sorry, like who? I this is the thing in many in many of these books, and at least like three of these books, we have characters describing erections, <laughs> and I don't know why we as a society can't move beyond this. It's not sexy. It's not clever. Don't do it. Just it, it, don't do it. Is that close to the threesome, or is that is that pretty far away from the threesome in this book? Um, I mean, in that they're both in the dev part, but like, I don't think they're actually physically close to each other in the book beyond that. I think there's, they're still right. There is a threesome scene, which is also confusing because, you know, this is the, when you were writing in this noir language, uh, everything is a metaphor. No, you can never just, you can never say that like, you know, Phyllis is like a swan. It's like, no, Phyllis is a swan. She's drenched in blood. She's you know, smoking 400 cigarettes. She's, you know, her legs have turned into two Buick Volks, you know, into two cars. <laughs> like, <laughs> but this is, this is everything all the time, which is what, and, and it never relaxes from that language, which makes it so confusing. So when they have a threesome, it's, you know, if you were reading it literally, it would just be a description of three people just turning into a pile of mush. Like, it's so... That's hilarious dumb well, it's so dumb well, and, and the sex scenes in this i was like I, I i i'm never like incredibly fond of sex scenes in in books but um you know they can serve a purpose sometimes and in this in this book it was it, it's just so i don't know they, they weren't they weren't terrible but they weren't great either and i i don't know they, they just they didn't offer me anything i felt like did you have that reaction to all of them because because p and dev are having sex quite often that's mostly what we see right I mean, maybe I, maybe three or four times, but maybe I'm maybe I'm exaggerating that in my mind. In retrospect, I don't even know. I I couldn't tell you. I like because I I know the 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 belt of hands is part is one thing, and then there's the threesome. Anything beyond that is pr- the answer is probably like that. That's the other thing is that just so little actually happens in this book. The th- if you made a a bullet point list of everything that happens in this book, uh. The, the, in the, from the beginning of the book, Victor tells Phyllis via Redman to go kill somebody. She decides that she doesn't want to. That's the second thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Three, she decides that she should kill Victor. Four, she tries to kill Victor and fails. Five, uh, well, no, at, at one point also she got shot. And I don't know I don't know why or how she got shot. That entire part. She, she, got, she got shot because me. the woman who she's been told to kill is coming to try to kill her. Um, okay. And Sure. Yeah. But it happens at the same time where Dev confesses that he's a cop, and it's like it's. It, my memory is that it was sort of a betrayal on his part. It was very confusing. Well, the betrayal on his part is that he didn't tell her sooner that he knew that she was being sent out to kill people who weren't actually bad. So, but it, wouldn't it, this is the thing I don't get is that every part of this, from the way that she like she describes herself in the opening chapter as a hatchet man, it should be obvious to her that she's killing people for the wrong reasons. Like you, they, it just doesn't work the other way. That's not well, but but the, but, but, the, it, but it seems like in 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 the sense of like there's a backstory which maybe is is 
potentially more interesting where she's being manipulated to to kill all these people on Victor's behalf and thinks she's doing you know this great thing right again another novella that's that's but very tight but it seems really obvious that Vic like Victor is so Victor evil though. Is he's like so a, evil right he's like goddamn Disney villain at no point are we ever like uh, and then Victor was donating his proceeds to the children's hospital like that never happens yeah he's yeah because cartoon villain because Tamara says she looked around when she got to town and literally was like who's the worst person here oh I'm gonna go suck up to them for a while so they can protect me from all the rest of the crap. right, right. He, yeah he owns a big he owns a big you know evil nightclub everything about him is evil he owns several assassins all of which are magically enhanced in his employ no part of this guy screams like yeah he's doing this for the right reasons and <laughs> and like obviously she's on the take she's what an immigrant, immigrant cannot make a dollar well that's the thing is like you don't get paid to kill people for the right reasons that's just not true that's never <laughs> been true in reality or fiction i don't care what anyone says oh. this is it's screaming how so it's okay so i'm hearing she, i'm hearing two thumbs up for this book is that, that's what i'm hearing that's my takeaway here it's uh two severed hands in the pockets of a russian mafioso uh <laughs> which which is my way of saying a very bad book i think um, i think we i think we both uh dress up as as uh just some character with a belt of severed hands next year for halloween each of us and on, no on one se- would get it. each of us on separate coasts the, really when, does, when somebody asks who, who are you you just go pay attention <laughs> it re- no it really does bother me on a fundamental level how uncool the imagery is of my name my name is phyllis i'm an angel of justice and i have magical hands that are very good at throwing knives that's my entire thing hmm. and but sometimes the hands are also betray me and make it hard for me to throw the knives magically or just do anything I, there's something like, very cool about throwing knives though like like uh, didn't you ever read the thieves world books uh hands shadow no. spawn the the thief who threw knives all the time walked on the balls of his feet uh i think if your entire shtick is that you're good at throwing knives that's not enough that's just not enough well it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to say that when you got a knife sticking out of your forehead will <laughs> so you know at, at least i wouldn't be reading this fucking book if that were true <laughs> okay oh. have you read anything this week that you've liked that you've enjoyed I, I this has been my primary attention. I, I spent so much time trying to get this book done with. Hmm. Uh, I mean, if it, I do have a lot of other strange things. I watched a ton of movies this week because so the audience at home, I'm uh, I'm on a new antidepressant that has made me just want to lay in bed and do nothing all day, which has been largely what I've been doing. I, I you know. Uh, Gene is my employer. You uh, you know that I have gotten work done, although it is not as much as I would have liked. But <laughs> that being said, so I've been in bed and I've just been putting on very random movies. Okay. And each and I can't tell if it's the drugs or if it's just the movies I'm putting on. Each one of them, I'm just like, what is this? This is insane. So you know, I watched uh, I watched Clive Owen as a as a gardener in prison in a movie called Green Fingers. That movie's fucking weird. <laughs> you know this movie? I do not know that movie. Uh, last night I was, I, I got like halfway through, uh, Jack Lemon in the apartment. That's a pretty crazy, a, a movie whose entire premise is ruined by the idea that if you want to cheat on your wife, you could just get a hotel room instead of forcing an employee at your business to give up his apartment that you don't even like for 30 minutes to an hour. That, that, that is strangely on my to watch list, my, my short list of movies to watch. So, uh, yeah, 
maybe we could rant about I mean that I was in, I was enjoying it but the premise is fundamentally you know is over <laughs> in 30 seconds if you just think about it um what else did I watch this week uh, I watched another Clive Owen movie did unrelated called uh closer that also had jude law and natalie portman and uh that one was weird it's just a bunch of people cheating on each other for two hours <laughs> there's a uh, there's, a, th- there's a, a theme t- developing here i watched a ton of hallmark christmas movies in which nobody cheats on each other oh but they all have the exact same formula are you enjoying these films are you, are you having fun on some level uh, some of them yeah i i mean i kind of liked the clive owen gardening movie although it was dumb Hmm. I, um, <laughs> I, I, I've been I've been catching up on The Walking Dead. I've been watching season ten of The Walking Dead, which is incredibly mysterious to me that I'm I'm enjoying it even a little bit, but but I somehow am. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready, getting I'm ready a, for season eleven, I guess, which I don't even know if it's out yet. But I've I've surely watched more movies than I can actually remember. So I'm going to try to go into my uh, my Netflix and my Amazon Prime and try to figure out what was I watching. Hmm. I watched uh, I watched the end of the Mysterious Benedict Society miniseries uh is that the tim burton thing what is that i don't think it's tim burton it's uh they're they're based on uh the first in a series of novels by a guy named i believe trent lee stewart uh i read them with my daughter uh, back when she was a little kid they're very long very dense uh the adaptation is great the the (laughs) the little girl they got to play the sour a uh, tiny French girl with an attitude is is delightful. She makes the whole thing for me. And uh, can I? So the, can I talk about three men and a baby for a second? <laughs> How can I say no I, to that one? I, so I finally watched Three Men and a Baby. I'd never actually watched this movie before. I've seen many clips of it, like them singing to the baby. You know, I put this on early in the week, thinking like, "Hey, this will be a fun movie that I don't have to think hard about." Mm-hmm. I. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie quite as strange in, in the way that this movie is strange. Who are the three men? Is, is, it, is it Ted Danson? Ted Danson, Tom Selleck, and Steve Gutenberg. Oh, it's, it's Steve Gutenberg and not Howie Mandel. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And, and, yeah, and Bruce so, Willis is the baby? Is that right? Or is that something else? <laughs> yeah, Bruce Willis plays a tiny baby girl. Uh, no. Does, um, does the baby have a voice or no? Is that, is that something else? No, I think you're thinking of Look Who's Talking. I am thinking of Look Who's Talking. Maybe. You are. No, Bruce Willis does play a, a talking baby in, in the Look Who's Talking movies. There is no relation other than they feature babies. Okay. Uh, the baby in Three Men and a Baby does not talk. So from from my understanding, I thought this was a feel-good movie in which three grown men had to take care of a baby and it was wacky shenanigans, which is partially true, but it feels like over half of the movie is actually dedicated to this Beverly Hills cop plot of there's a drug switcheroo where they're supposed to get cocaine, but they don't actually know it's cocaine. Hmm. And then the narcotics department knows they have the cocaine and is trying to catch them on it. And then they're trying to give the cocaine back to the drug dealers, but then they're also trying to catch the drug dealers in the thing. And, like, the baby really has nothing to do with any of that. It's just... It it seems insane to me that that this movie exists in the way that it does and is a well-known, beloved movie... Considering how weird, like, it should be called Three Men, a Baby, and a Failed Drug <laughs> Transaction. Because those are more important, <laughs> that part is more important than the three men or the baby, it feels like. Uh, it makes me, um, what movie just jumped into my mind that I've been thinking about lately? Oh, I want, I, it makes me, like, there's a ridiculous kind of kind of era of films. I mean, it's probably constantly ridiculous, but I really want to rewatch Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito at some point soon. 
I just feel like that needs sure. to, that needs to be revisited. Um, but but I forgot that Three Men and a Baby had a plot. It's very weird. Are are you a weekend at, are you a weekend at Bernie's fan? No, I've tried multiple times. I really can't get past twenty minutes in Weekend at Bernie's. Does it take place in Florida, or am I imagining that? Uh, it might. It's some beach town, right? Because it's it's either Florida or California. I mean, I think ideally it would be at a beach that was cold, right? So the corpse would not rot as they're trucking it around town for for two hours of the movie. But but it's like I remember it's a warm climate and the corpse just stays just fine. It's kind of gross. I I, I think we need to uh, combine Weekend at Bernie's with The Walking Dead. I think that would be a great, a great. Well, what you didn't know, what you, what you didn't know, Gene, was that Bernie, while he was alive, recreationally took drugs that would preserve his corpse. He he's plasticized. I see. This is part part of the reason the movie works. It was a big deal in the eighties. If you were a uh, a well-to-do businessman, in 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 addition (laughs) to doing cocaine, you would also plasticize your body slowly for mummification. I have to tell you, I've been I've been reading short stories this month. I've decided to try to read uh-huh. a little bit of short story every day. Usually a complete short story and a half, usually. But um, depending on what I pick up, um, I'm not always getting through one in the evening. But I've been reading some short stories, really enjoying them, by uh, Algis Boudris, uh, who used to teach writing seminars and has wrote, wrote what I consider the greatest uh, book on genre writing ever, called Writing to the Point. But I've also been reading Kevin Wilson's book of short stories, which I, I think you should pick up. It's it's delightful so far. Very weird. Kevin Wilson wrote uh, the book about the kids who catch on fire that we did a while back. Yes. Uh, uh, nothing to see here. Yes. Nothing to see here. And I think I think you would also like uh, the book of Wells Tower short stories called Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned, which is it, it seems like a meditation on the low points of, of manliness <laughs> to me. It's very it's very well written. I, I really, really huh. like these stories. I mean, that does- that does sound interesting. Not a not a description of an erection that I've seen so far in this book. So, uh, yeah, I, which which you would think would be the low point of manliness in would, many ways. You would think, but it is not. It is not. It turns out the center of uh, good writing on manliness. So I uh, I hereby well, finally finally someone has <laughs> is on the same wavelength as me. I hereby recommend uh, the Wells Tower book and the uh, Kevin Wilson book to you. And I would recommend the other, but I think it's it's hard to find a copy. So maybe I'll throw that in a box next time i send you some books we'll see right I, i'll probably never get around to reading them until we take a break from doing this podcast so that <laughs> i can actually read the good things uh do you remember what we're reading next time yes the next book on our list is the girl who drank the moon by kelly barnhill that's right and that's a book that uh my wife silver enjoyed a while back and that i never did uh pick up so this is uh my excuse to pick it up and read it through and we'll be talking about that in a couple weeks and uh, where should people write to us if if they have a suggestion for what we should read, Willow? If you have something you would like Gene and I to read, and I hope you do, please send it to bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you. Uh, this has been me, Gene. This has been me, Willow Payne. And uh, thanks for listening if you made it this far. <laughs> We're delighted. Keep, uh, keep stabbing. Keep stabbing.